0: It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Bernal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Ores and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors. Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish spreading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon.
1: And welcome into this week's show. We have got a lot to cover. Ray Gildow has been busy talking with the DNR and some folks in the fisheries. Department, and uh, he's going to weigh in on what he thinks the future of walleye fishing on Gull and Leech Lake is going to look like in the coming years. And I will say this it's some positive news. Steve Saponiak has been braving the elements out on Mille Lacs, chasing muskies and pike around. We'll get the latest from him. We'll revisit a conversation we had uh, a while back with Mandy Urich about her top five favorite bass baits in the fall. It's pheasant opener weekend, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. Our Lake and Field Report is brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. Keep your garage space clear this winter and store your boat at Oars and Mine in Crosby. Their facility is a four-season destination for all the toys that don't fit in your garage. Oars and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick off the show with Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League and our local report. Ray always keeping a very close eye on things that are happening, not only on Leech Lake, but here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. And Ray's got some really interesting information. He talked with uh, fisheries and the DNR about uh, some of the things that are happening, Ray. And he's going to share a lot of that with us on the show this week. I appreciate you, Ray, uh, doing the little extra work for us uh, on that. And I guess we'll start on Leech Lake. What What are you hearing there?
2: You know, it's that time of the year where we start looking at some of the results from surveys, and they're not really uh, formally publishing those until later. So I just have some preliminary data, some rough data, but i talked with carl peterson who is a large lake specialist in walker about the leech lake area and uh, he and sent me information about the regulations and then some recommendations that they're making for this next year uh... these aren't uh, finalized yet but i think this is probably what's going to happen the current regulation on leech is the twenty to twenty six inch fish is the protected slot and there's a four bag limit with only one over twenty six in possession and what they're proposing this year, and we have talked about this before, but is one walleye over 20 inches in possession with a maximum bag limit of four. So they're knocking that limit down. You can, What was protected before now, they're going to let us take one out of that protected slot. And the advantage of doing this for them is they can maintain a balanced population while mitigating buildup of larger fish. That's been one of the concerns on Leech Lake is there are so many 24-, 25-, 26-inch fish uh, that's taking a real toll on the perch. So, they're thinking this is going to be a move that could probably alleviate that a little bit. So, that'll re- reduce the pressure on the forage base, primarily yellow perch. And according to Carl, there are some trade offs for that, and that all current management plan objectives for walleyes may not be met. So, they might be reducing the numbers a little bit there. And the potential to reimpose a protected slot limit is always there if this harvest adversely impacts the abundance of spawning females. So they're going to watch that carefully. So they're going to change to a one walleye over 20 in it uh, with a possession of four uh, beginning in May of 2019. And, again, if the population metrics deviate from the management plan too much, they might have to go back and put that into protect, protection again. And just some of the, the data collection and analysis from this year, Carl said is not complete, but there is some preliminary information that they're getting a look at The biomass, that's the pounds per acre of mature female walleyes, has exceeded the management objective plan range in six of the last seven years. And the walleye size structure shows a number of younger year class, that 2017 and 2016 in the lake, that can replace harvested fish. So they think if we start harvesting some of those fish over 20, there's a good group of year classes coming up behind that that will help. And the fall gill net rates for walleyes have been within or above their management goals for 12 consecutive years now. And the walleye condition, which is the relative plumpness of the fish, has been at or below the lower management plan and uh, objective since 2008, I guess that is. So the walleye uh, biomass has steadily increased since 2006, which is also a good thing. And then the yellow perch abundance has been below the management minimum objectives five of the past six years um, and uh, we did talk about this last year they had a very good perch hatch but their overall perch numbers are lower than what they want them to be so they think that an increasing that fish over 20 inches is probably going to help that perch uh, numbers a little bit so that's just kind of preliminary information coming from leach lake and uh, it looks like in may we're probably going to have some new regulations in place there that will allow us to keep at least one fish over 20 inches. Then I uh, visited uh, through emails with Mark Bacciagalupi, who is the fisheries manager uh, for the Brainerd Lakes area. And, and he shared some what I think is really good news because I know uh, a lot of us have been uh, preaching that over the years, uh, well, actually since 1997, uh, the fisheries have been stocking. Uh, some of our lakes, uh, Gaul and Round Lake specifically in this report, with fry. And the fry, we just don't think that the fry have gotten there. We don't think that the survival rate is very high. This is just non-scientific, just from people who have been fishing these lakes for 30 and 40 years. And so Mark um, is going to be publishing a newsletter, and they actually are doing this now, but the... uh, he wanted to, uh, to uh, people to know that the current fishing success on wall walleye on Gaul has been pretty good despite the weather. And he uh, encourages people to check out Fishing to End Hunger tournament that was uh, last weekend. Hundreds of walleyes were caught and released in Saturday's tournament. And that, by the way, was a cold, windy tournament. I was not in it, but I have a lot of friends who were in it. And they said by the end of the day they could not already feel their hands. But Mark says those results are very encouraging, and uh, what they'll continue to do is adapt the management strategies to fish the changing conditions of the lake. So this year, for the first time since uh, two th- uh, 1997, uh, they're going to stock approximately 40 to 60,000 walleye fingerlings. Those are 48 inchers that are going to be stocked in Gall Lake this fall for the first time since 1997. And I know that makes a lot of us very happy because that means in a few years we're going to probably see a lot of 14, 15, 16-inch fish. And, and when uh, in the mid-90s when they were stocking fingerlings, we had really good fishing. And there's nothing wrong with keeping a 16-inch walleye, so that's really, really encouraging news. They've been doing it now for a couple of weeks, so the stocking has, is going on currently, and uh So hopefully they'll get up towards that 60,000 figure. That's really encouraging. And they're also looking at Round Lake uh, because Round Lake, the uh, fry survival was also pretty poor. So they're going to uh, stock an additional 9,400 fingerlings uh, in Round Lake this fall also. And Mark expects the survival of these fingerlings to be above average because there appears to be good numbers of yellow perch in both of these lakes and low numbers of northern pike, which eat and compete with the walleyes. Walleye fingerlings are expensive. He said this costing them about a dollar per fish and in limited supply. But uh, the fisheries is committed to taking all reasonable steps to keep the gall chain of lakes a prominent destination for walleye anglers. So, again, that's information from Mark Bacigalupi, who is the DNR Brainerd area's fishery supervisor. So I, I really think that's great news for our area, uh, and I really think that uh, we're going to see the results of those stockings here in a couple of years, and that's going to be really fun. Kind of the the updates from those two areas, and um, I think that's overall
1: very good news. I, I agree with you 100%, Ray. A couple of questions for you on the decision to go with the Fingerlings over the fry. Was that something, Ray, that, that Mark, because Mark is, is very good at being, communicating with anglers and, and, and you guys that are out there as guides that are fishing constantly, did he get a lot of input from you guys that kind of steered him in that direction, or was that a decision that was made strictly by the DNR?
3: I think that uh,
2: their, their decision, according to the information he gave me, was uh, their samplings were showing very, not very good success from the fry the last couple years. So they, uh, the fingerling stocking was triggered because the walleye survival was poor for two consecutive years as measured by their fall sampling with their electrofishing gear. So they based it, you know, I think, they're, I think they try to do the best they can to base it on science, not so much on emotional testimony, and, uh, but their last uh, couple years of testing has just been uh, very poor. So I think that's the reason they've gone with it. Plus, we, we know there's really good... Uh, perch populations in Gaul and round Lake Both, and also a very good populations of shiners. So, I think they just think the forage base can can handle it.
1: And one last thing, any uh, the information you got on Leech, you spent a lot of time up there too. Anything there that surprised you, Ray, or is it kind of what you thought? Well, I
2: think the thing that most of a, most anglers, most uh, guides, feel is that you know the the numbers are reportedly high, but we haven't had real high success over the summer it's gotten a little better in places this fall but again that could be because there's a great forage base of tulipes the perch numbers are good from the last two years last year anyway and uh, a lot of a lot of real good walleye hatches too and walleyes do feed on walleyes so uh, that could be why it's just been a tough bite for us because there's a, a lot of forage base there and I know over the years we've seen that happen on Mille Lacs in the heydays. Um, I think it was 91 or 90. Everybody called it the Dead Sea. They thought there was something wrong with it. In 92, that lake exploded. And and it was just that there was a huge forage basin that year before, and then once that got thinned down, then the fishing got really good. So if there's a lot of bait down there, you know, we're just one more thing dangling around now.
1: So some good stuff. Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League. You can check him out at raygildow.com. He's all over social media as well. We're going to basically give Ray the rest of the fall and the winter off, and he will rejoin us, I hope, next spring, Ray. Uh, Thanks for all of the work you've done this past spring and summer uh, for the show. I really, really appreciate it. Always coming to the table with some great information and uh, kind of going out with a bang with this last uh, go-around. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we get at least another week or so of good fishing in.
1: Let's hope so. I mean, we haven't had much of a fall, Ray, so... <laughs> no, we haven't. Not yet. <laughs> anyway, so... Well, thanks a lot, Brian. I've enjoyed it. You bet. We'll take it easy, Ray. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. All right. When we come back, Steve Saponiak has been braving the elements out on Mille Lacs, going after Muskie and Pike. We'll see how he's been doing, and we'll revisit a conversation we had with Mandy Urich about her top five favorite fall bass baits when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Set out to Mille Lacs and get the report out there from Steve Siponiak with Predator Guide Service. And uh, Steve has been chasing muskies, bigger pike around on the big pond out there, and I bet you, Steve, it's been no easy task. Uh, you, you were talking off air with me. You said you've been the last six days have been uh, out there and 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 dealing with the elements
3: it's been terrible my goodness uh, my yard again is a swamp in the town of walk on the- All the ditches are full of water, Brian. It's been nothing but rain and wind and try to find a spot to fish. The fishing, you know, with that major cold, we had two major cold fronts within a week. It was going good, and then it slowed down. I'm trying to get all my clients on the major time frames and everything, the majors and the minors. And we seem to be having a little bit of luck, but Mother Nature is uh, getting the best of us, that's for sure.
1: I'd imagine you're out there fishing probably in your uh, ice fishing gear.
3: Oh, definitely. I get out in the morning. i've got six layers on top i've got three layers on the bottom. I've got wool socks on, and I've got my heavy, heavy uh, hunting boots on rainproof barely bearable it's what do you say <laughs> it's yeah. a time of year, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, we just we normally we get some sort of fall, but uh, just this year that has not been the case at all. So, what does one do when you get weather like this, Steve? I mean, especially for muskies, how have you had to basically change your plans, different than what you normally do this time of year?
3: Well, good question, Brian. Right now, what we're doing is we're slowing everything down. We tried uh, speed, speed. Uh Cranking, you know, on our reels and everything with jerk baits, crank baits, plastics, you know, double tens. That's not the key. We found out real quick the first day, halfway into it, uh, with spinner baits. Let them sink down just about to the bottom and just slow grind them back, and that's what we've been having our luck on. A lot of nice pike and uh, getting some decent muskies too. And it's also the uh, minnow time of year, also. So uh, we're starting to drag a sucker minnow around behind us on a bobber. You know, anywhere from about 15 to 20 inches long is about right. And imagine. About five inches around is what we've been using uh, this time of year. They're going to be putting on the feed bag, and those Sacramento's are the prime target for them.
1: Is it a little earlier than when you usually go to these tactics, Steve? Because we've had basically end of October, November weather in late September, early October.
3: Definitely, Brian. It's, it's we're probably ahead of ourselves here by two and a half to three weeks. It, you know, and that's not bad. I don't mind adapting. I'm just tired of the rain and the wind. But definitely, we're ahead of ourselves. The water temperature on Mille Lacs Lake alone dropped 7 degrees in 6 days, and then it dropped another 5 degrees in about another 6 days. I mean, we're looking at 54, 53 uh, degrees water temperature. That's That's the... That's the end of uh, October, just about, so definitely things are ahead of time, and our techniques have changed, too. It's been tough, but we're, we're scratching out a few fish, you know, with the good Lord's help, it's it's coming to, you know, a point.
1: Yeah, you said you boated one uh, earlier this week.
3: We did, we did. We should have had three, four of them boated. I've been using some sucker minnows and stuff, and uh, a good gal of mine, customer and her stepson, uh... She had a nice one on, but she didn't get the hook set hard enough on the Sacramento and everything. And the next day, we had another one going on the Sacramento. Uh, Kelly from uh, the Brainerd Chapter of Northern's Inc. got himself a beautiful, beautiful muskie on the Sacramento, probably about 33 pounds or more, just fat as could be. His first muskie in over 20 years of triumph, so persistence pays off, you know. The Sacramento is doing good, and like I said, the spinnerbaits are doing good, but you've got to pay attention to the follows. We've got some really low, late follows, and we've got some hot follows. And if you don't have Polaroid glasses on, even in this low-light condition, you're not going to see them very well.
1: With the weather being the way it's been, Steve, uh, you pretty much got the lake to yourself?
3: Pretty much. It's a little <laughs> lonely out there besides my clients. You know, another thing that's really scary, Brian is the uh, Malacca Sheriff Department took all the buoys out a few weeks ago on Mille Lacs Lake, and that just makes it scary. Yes, I got my GPS with all the rock reefs, you know, put into my GPS, but still, you know, I'm approaching them a lot further away, taking my time instead of rushing up to them, knowing exactly where they are. So when you go out there for uh, daytime muskie fishing and nighttime musket fishing, which is coming up for the diehard musket fishermen, including myself, be careful out there on Mille Lacs Lake, especially if you're by Cold Bay. All the hazardous buoys are gone.
1: There you go. Steve Spaniak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. Good stuff, uh, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. Mandy Urick joins us now in studio. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about this week, Mandy, and we've talked about this before when anglers, maybe they're, they're, they don't fish a lot and they walk into a store and they see this this wall of baits, bass baits and stuff, and they go, what a white. The fall, we wanted to touch on five different ones that you like to throw this time of year.
4: Correct. The fish are going to start schooling. And when they school, they're going to school big, which is awesome. So you got to find the schools, right? So for baits, I like throwing a really big spinnerbait this time of year, like a half even to a three-quarter ounce spinnerbait. I like to change it up. I want a gold and a silver um, on there and then some kind of trailer. White, chartreuse green, you can't go wrong. But with those big baits, I like to cast them out and actually let them sink, depending on how deep the water. I'll count maybe to five and then... I'll jerk it really hard, and then I'll start my retrieve. You'll be shocked at how many times when you make that initial jerk that you get a reaction bite off of it just from there. So... That's a good bait to, to find the schools. And even when you do get on the schools, if, there's, if they're active, then they're going to want to keep chomping it. As the water temp drops, just like in the spring, though, you got to slow down that retrieve a little bit, but go with the bigger baits. So, good one, spinner bait. Second one, swim bait. I like a four inch swim bait. Um, you can play with the colors depending on water clarity. And same thing, just casting it out, bringing it back, slower retrieve. You can throw it pretty much everywhere. So, it's a nice bait, the jerk bait. Everybody's like, oh, that's a walleye bait. <laughs> you know, no, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal bass bait. And the colder the water gets, the slower the retrieve that you're going to want to do. You know, jerking a few times, reel it in, jerking. And here's a, a tip. If they're hitting that back hook, at just the back hook, you got to slow down that retrieve even more. That means it's a super finicky bite. Um, if they're crushing it, you're doing everything perfect. Um, crankbaits. Rattle trap, rattle trap, rattle trap. It's <laughs> rattle trap season and I love it. Um, there, there again, uh, find some veg. Like we were talking about earlier, as the fall starts, that veg is going to start to die off. That's where those fish are right now. So you can find good clumps of coontail or cabbage. I'd be ripping that rattle trap through it over the top. Same thing with the spinner bait or the jerk bait. It's a really good bait. And the last one, big jigs, baby, big jigs. And I mean half ounce to three quarter ounce jigs, uh, big trailers on, big packas. Obviously, you're going to be throwing in a little bit deeper water. You can't go wrong with blue-black. Blue-black in the fall in deeper water is your go-to, especially in the morning. Um, Those fish are going to be deeper and moving up gradually during the day as the water temp warms up. So... I would say in the mornings, I like to find deeper water that's directly adjacent to a shallower flat. So if you can sit on a spot that is, you know, 20 feet of water, you're pitching up to 17 feet, and then it breaks, you know, maybe into a 6-foot flat beyond that, that's where you, where you need to go. And you need to, throughout the day, move up when those fish move up into those shallows water as the water temp rises.
1: Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, no frogs.
4: You can still frog. I know. I know. Shh, I don't want to give all my secrets away. You know, we, we talk about as the water temp drops right now, absolutely throw the heck out of that frog and that buzz bait, even spooks. Like people think of spooks as only summertime baits as long as well as frogs, and they're not. We can still throw them. When the water temp starts dipping, though, into like the mid to low 60s, it's time to put that frog away because – those fish are probably moving out of those shallower waters anyways to deeper waters unless they can move back up and down where there's a shelf system.
1: That's Mandy Urich, our bass aficionado, very accomplished tournament angler here in the Brainerd Lakes area. You can check Mandy out all over Facebook, Instagram. On, she's a contributor here on the show quite a bit. And we'll have more Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And, of course, pheasant opener this weekend and the governor's pheasant opener down in Laverne, Minnesota, down in Rock County. And uh, we're lucky enough to be joined by Scott Reimhilt. He is the uh, DNR regional director. And, uh, Scott, welcome to Brainerd Outdoors.
5: Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks.
1: So an exciting weekend down there in Laverne. There's a lot going on.
5: Oh, my goodness. Pheasant opener is exciting as it is. And then uh, when you combine it with an event like this, it's as good as it gets.
1: And Laverne is such an interesting community, so much history behind it, and I would imagine, you know, I've talked to some people that have been down there leading up to this event, the city and community of Laverne and the outlying areas are so excited to have an event like this.
5: It, it's unbelievable what the city of Laverne has done and the, the area community to put this event together. Uh, they have... Raised a new bar for the 8th Annual uh, Governor's Opener.
1: So we're looking forward to a lot of the events that are going to be going on down there. I I suppose we should start off uh, talking about the pheasant numbers and everything. Last I had heard, Scott, roadside surveys are up 19%.
5: Yes, and uh, we were a little uh, curious what we'd see because we had an April snowstorm, we had May hailstorms, and uh, just tons of rain through the summer. But the pheasants persevered, and a 19% increase from last year.
1: And so, and like you had said, with the snow in April and that hail in May, that that is the time when that can be effective to some of those younger birds.
5: It, it's crucial. Uh, we had a mild winter, so everybody was optimistic. But that nesting period, April, May, June, uh, if, if we don't have good weather there, the the nests just don't produce.
1: So what are you expecting for hunter numbers? Are there going to be quite a swell down there?
5: there is, uh, with this event, we've got about 120 hunters going out in 17 different groups, and uh, we've got just a wide variety of land. We were driving around yesterday, and we're seeing birds, so uh, we're pretty excited about it.
1: And so we're looking forward to that as well. Now, some of the events that are going on, and one I wanted to pinpoint, speaking of land, uh, you guys are going to be dedicating what's called the Rooster Ridge WMA dedication. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's going to be going on with that.
5: Sure. It's uh, Minnesota's wildlife management area no matter how good the weather is habitat's a limiting factor with producing pheasants and so anytime we can get another piece of ground like this uh, we're just we're really pleased about it it's a 93 acre parcel and this spring uh, we restored about half of that back into native prairie and we're going to celebrate the fact that it's part of the wma system
1: and a lot went into this there's a lot of people that that actually helped out getting this whole thing going
5: I I can't even estimate the number. I mean, the committee was probably about 25 people, but then beyond that, all the volunteers. uh, We've got uh, the local trap clubs. We've got high school band. I mean, literally hundreds of people working together to pull off this weekend event.
1: And so that'll be something that's taking place over the weekend. And and I would imagine, too, with the DNR, you guys had a, a real big hand in this as well.
5: It's a partnership. Uh, We work with uh, the Department of Natural Resources, Explore Minnesota Tourism, and then the local host community. We each bring something to the table, and uh, together we're pulling off a good event this year.
1: And how big of a piece of land are we talking about here, Scott?
5: Uh, For the dedication, we're at 93 acres. Uh, As far as uh, the the hunting event kind of thing, uh, we've got about 2,500 acres lined up, and landowners have allowed us to use their private land for the hunt, and that way we don't displace hunters coming into the area from using public land.
1: So there is something that we're definitely looking forward to. Uh It's going to be a big event down there in Laverne. Um In addition to the pheasant hunting down there, there's a lot of other things that people, maybe pheasant hunting isn't their thing, but the community of Laverne, there's so many other things going on and other things that people can take part in. There,
5: there definitely is, and it, everything from uh, Jim Brandenburg, the famous outdoor photographer, he's got a, a museum and studio here. We've got uh, Blue Mountain State Park with uh, the state's largest uh, conservation herd of bison. Uh, we've got a military museum. Uh, it just it goes on and on.
1: For those maybe, Scott, that aren't familiar when we keep mentioning Laverne, you know, where is it, where is it? It's proximity, it's way down there in the southwestern part of Minnesota.
5: We are tucked way down in the southwest corners in Rock County. Uh, right between Worthington and Sioux Falls, uh right along the interstate, invite the public to come down and uh, participate in things this weekend uh we've just We've got so many different things, some are invitation only, but we've got uh, just a handful of events that anybody can attend, and it's going to be great weather and just a whole lot of fun.
1: yeah, so check it out the community of Laverne, Minnesota, about uh, population I want to say close to about five thousand right.
5: Yep, it's just a small community, but my goodness, they've got a big heart with this event, and uh, they're doing it right.
1: So looking forward to it. That's uh, Scott Reimholt with the uh, Governor's Pheasant Opener, which is down in Laverne this weekend. He is the DNR Regional Director. Scott, I know you've been an awful busy guy getting ready for this event. Uh, We appreciate you taking some time to talk to us, and uh, good luck, and hopefully we'll see you this weekend.
5: I look forward to it. Thanks so much.
1: All right, when we come back, speaking of pheasants, Chef Joel with Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in our Hungry Hunter segment has got a great pheasant recipe he'll share when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. time for our Hungry Hunter segment here on Brainerd Outdoors. As always, we bring in Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge, and Saloon in Baxter. Very interesting recipe this week, Joel. We go with pheasant pot pie.
6: So we're going to start off with a pound of pheasant diced up. You have some onions, celery, carrots. We'll start cooking that off in a saucepan over a medium heat and a little bit of butter. Just start cooking that down, let the carrots uh, get to go out in nice, tender, nice tender form. Add in some peas, garlic, thyme, and fresh parsley. Let that cook a little bit. And then we'll stir in the flour. Let that cook in another one or two minutes. We don't want to burn the flour. We want to get a little just a little caramelization going on it. Add in some chicken broth and a little bit of milk. Bring that up to a boil. Let that sauce kind of thicken together. We want to get that nice creamy pot pie that's going on. We're just gonna pour that into a couple of uh, already unbaked pie crusts. Kind of went the easier route on this one. Sure. (laughs) I don't feel like rolling out pie crust. So we'll go with the uh, already made pie crust, pour it in there, put the pie crust top on on the top, pinch the sides, seal it in, cut off any extra dough, and uh, pop it in the oven, preheated oven, 425 degrees, you know, 30, 35 minutes until it's nice and golden brown on top we got a good pot pie
1: and by all means if somebody wanted to make their own pie crust they could i would imagine
6: yeah definitely i'm <laughs> I'm just not the uh pie crust making guy 100 so <laughs> with you right there
1: uh very obvious question here joel if somebody didn't have pheasant uh, i'm sure you could
6: substitute anything. any any kind of game bird would be awesome in here you know you could even go with the classic route of chicken sure there you go well if you want to give it a try pretty
1: simple recipe this week it sounds awesome though uh, pheasant pot pie head to our website brainerdoutdoorsradio.com click on the recipes tab a whole bunch of recipes for you to check out including this one chef joel black bear lodge and saloon thanks joel thank you brian and that will wrap up our show for this week don't forget you can catch brainerd outdoors each and every saturday morning just after seven sunday evenings at seven and monday mornings at five you can stream the show live if you're away from your radio or out of town uh, just go to brainerdoutdoorsradio.com click on the listen live tab And, of course, on demand, you can listen at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com at the bottom of the homepage, and then podcasts all over, wherever you download podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors, subscribe, give us a nice rate and review. We'd appreciate that. But Podcast One, iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you download podcasts, you'll find Brainerd Outdoors. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd
0: Outdoors has been brought to you by Vernal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Ores and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Brainerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, chef robert's fish breading mix s&w bait and tackle crow wing recycling black bear lodge and saloon and by radco your truck accessory pros join brian moon just after seven saturday mornings sunday evening at seven and monday mornings at five for another edition of brain it outdoors right here on b93.3